Hello and welcome back to An Abundance of Thrones, this week's podcast looking at Game of Thrones, Episode 9 of Season 5, A Dance of Dragons. I'll be your host, Garrett, and I'm joined by Brad once again. I'm back. There he is. And wait as usual. Still here. (laughs) How we doing? Thought we got rid of you. We tried. Uh, You haven't got me lanced yet. (laughs) Next up, flaying. (laughs) (laughs) Then burnt to a crisp so no one knows whatever they look like. Nah, we're going to post you up for the world to see. Head on a spike. How you doing, guys? Uh, We're fantastic. How you doing? Magnificent. Um, so Recovering welcome back. From vacation. Thank you. Yeah. How was your trip to the to the wall? It it was um, actually we went south to Dorne. Ah, to Dorne. No, that Very was the different. Iron Isles. Yeah, exactly. We didn't quite make it that far south. Huh. Uh, so I thought the, that was east. No, that's, that's Iron Isles are east northeast actually because yes. they're within the north. Huh. Realm of Actually, the we were in Florida. Um, Florida. So it was east, so you're more in Marine Slaver's I Bay lied. area. I lied. Uh, Iron Isles are west, northwest of Westeros. Mm. I get my east and west confused. Uh, so she, you know. So, you, Westeros. so yes. you said hi to Danny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he wishes. Uh, to our listeners, we would like to point out that this is a spoiler-ridden podcast. Ridden? We will be, yes, uh, an abundance of spoilers. We will be going through the show episode in its entirety. If you haven't seen it, what the hell is wrong with you? Is it written? Spoiler written? Sure. Yes, it is. I don't care. I can't speak good much. And he has been drinking. And I'm slow, totally tober. <laughs> this is a potentially explicit podcast. I say potentially because even though we can be quite tame, we can also be quite filthy. So I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, be warned. It may or may not come out. That's correct. To the business end of this episode, this episode was directed by David Nutter. If that name sounds familiar to you, it should. He directed episodes six and seven of season two, as well as episodes eight and nine of season three, which included The Reigns of Castamere, a.k.a. The Red Wedding. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Writers on this, the Double Ds, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Viewership back up 7.14 million this week. Still down from episode one, but we're on an upswing. Critically, the rated at 94%. So a little bit of a drop from last week, but I think we can all agree still quite good. Yes, I agree. And one last thing before we get into the episode... For those who don't know, the Game of Thrones Monopoly has been released. You can find that at Amazon. A link was posted on our Twitter page just today, uh, June 9th. So you can find that there or use our Amazon link and search as normal. So that is as of recording today, not as of posting today. Well, I mean, they're one and the same, but that's fine. If you like Monopoly it's and you today. like Game of Thrones, go pick that up. Okay, great. What did you guys think of the episode overall? Wade, I'll let you start. <laughs> uh, the ending was awesome, but I guess we have to start at the beginning. 
it's usually uh, a good place to start. Yeah, it usually is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'd like to shoot at a sequence, but it never really ends well. <laughs> uh, it's a very good episode. We're finally getting to the meat and bones of everything. Everything's starting to coalesce. Well, at better, we've got one episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think kind of the downside with this season is normally we have kind of a mid-season finale at episode four, where there's a lot of, you know, build up one, two, and three, four hits hard, and then you have five to pick up the pieces, six, seven, eight build up, nine hits hard, and then ten usually kind nine of softens it up a little bit. Pretty big hit. That's been the history up till now. This season, they've been pretty tame, one through seven. Eight hit pretty hard, nine hit harder by some people's uh, perceptions. And uh, we'll see how 10 wraps us up. Loved the end of this episode, um, as I think many, many did. Uh, some bits in the middle that were a little hard to watch. So we will uh, we'll, we'll discuss that as a whole. How about yourself? I was not as impressed with the ending as everybody else seems to be. Uh, because uh, of content or quality? Yes. Okay. Um, I had I had similar statements, I think, uh, at first seeing it. Uh, I loved the content, but I thought the quality um, could have been better for HBO standards. Yeah, it just... I mean, it wasn't bad. It was definitely still good quality and on par. And it just... I just didn't feel it. I, I honestly, uh, being the dual media that I am, I felt a, a better, more substantial hit from reading it. Okay. Which was odd. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we'll on. get into uh, what we're talking about here in a second, and maybe, Brad, you can share further insights relating from uh, written story versus viewable story and see what kind of variations or... Um, where you're coming from with your statement and kind of shed some light on it for us. Sure. We start off this episode at somewhere in the north part A with <laughs> a fire Ambiguous bursting out in Stannis' camp. Huh? A classified location. <laughs> an undetermined some, location somewhere, somewhere north of Winterfell. <laughs> Castle Black and Winterfell. Yes. <laughs> Definitely havoc being caused there. Um, This seems like it's the uh, aftermath of last week with Ramsey promising, you know, just give me a couple guys. I got this. It it is interesting. Uh, I totally agree with that statement. Although typical Game of Thrones, it's alluded to but never expressed. However, there's a bit of a concern in the community that maybe this was a plan by Melisandre. Ooh. Um, we'll get to how this maybe relates in a little bit, but, uh, once you've seen the episode, you might be able to correlate how actions A influence results B. Absolutely. But yeah, we find out that fires burst out all across the camp. The food stalls have been wiped out. Many of the horses have been killed, putting Stannis between a rock and a hard place. Definitely. I mean, he's... We covered uh, a couple weeks ago, his support is waning. Um, His hired help is leaving. Now his army is being devastated. 
things are not going well for the uh, House Baratheon. Not the most optimal situation for him at the moment. Well, th- two of the three brothers are dead, and one is not in a good position. <laughs> yeah. Not in body or in mind, it seems. Yeah. We'll get to that soon. Wade, do you have any thoughts on this? I'm kind of wondering how we're going to get to the point of how Melisandre can be behind this, considering her emotional, uh, how do I say this? Expressions at the yeah. event at hand. I would agree with that statement. Uh, I'm not yeah, saying... Yeah, she did seem surprised by it. And she, I like, would agree. Like, she perked up like she heard something. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, came out with the lantern. lantern. And so it's like, did I just hear footsteps going across? Correct. In the snow? So. And then we transit, or Stannis walks the camp, talking to Davos on an update in the situation. And Stannis catches Melisandre and his wife, and then proceed to have a very apparently private small council meeting. <laughs> Mini council. Mini council. So, I mean, I don't think there's any small secret as to what they may have been talking about, which we'll get to here shortly. We transition north of the wall, although not by much. Uh, A few, uh, maybe a hundred yards. That's just a couple steps. The family is back. Did you think that Alistair was going to (laughs) take over? Um... You're just gonna yell archers. So again, dual media. I've read past this in the books, mm-hmm. but suspending that while I, you know, I try my best to suspend my knowledge while watching the show, and sure. they did it beautifully because Alistair just, just. Those actors did a brilliant job of holding that suspense. It wasn't long, but the thought crossed my mind because they've deviated from the books a couple times, and the thought crossed my mind, oh, crap, he's not going to open it. Yeah. There was that solid look where it's like, uh, this isn't going to go according to plan. (laughs) You're down there, and I'm up here. Well, it's not hard to portray that kind of emotion, that one. And for it's just like... (laughs) Alistair's pretty stoic. <laughs> to Alistair. Back to John. Back to Alistair. Back to John. <laughs> it's like, and scene. Yeah. <laughs> Alistair could have just been like a giant smile on his face when they're like, oh, back to camera. Okay. We're, <laughs> We're done here. Interesting continuity thing uh, I picked up from the community this week in that if they use Stannis's ships, Stannis's ships are not harbored at the black, um, is Black Castle the black Castle Black? It's no, at the wall. Castle Black's in the middle of the, the wall. middle of the wall. Yeah. The ships are like Eastwatch by the sea. Mm, not quite sure where Hardhome is. I wanted to say that was west, which means it would be at. Why would Stannis be west though? When I don't have to look at the map again, but I thought Dragonstone. Maybe Dragonstone is west. Bear Island is west. I know Bear Island is west, um, and we talked about the Iron Isles being west. Let's take a look here at the map of Westeros. Dun-dun-dun. This is the one I want. Um, Zoom in. I think Dragonstone is technically 
I want to say it's west. I think it's southwest. I think it's almost west of Dorne. Unless it's that one right there in between the and the narrow sea. Okay, I need to find a better map. <laughs> need shit. a bigger map. Need a bigger map. So sad thing is, I have a huge map at, at just in the other room, but I not at the point where I can fetch it. Mm. Uh, okay, I need to find a mega map. Okay, search. <laughs> what else no, it would have it would have had to have been Eastwatch. Yeah, because the tower or the wall doesn't go west to the Bay of Ice. At least according to the map that I'm looking at. Okay. So if they had to dock west of, you know, at at the shore, why not walk along the coast south of the wall and avoid this whole conflict anyway? Oh, now you're thinking. Stop I mean, that. it's just a it's just a small thought as to the fuck are they thinking? <laughs> and there's our explicit tag. There's the explicit <laughs> tag. Yay. That's right. You're welcome. Huh. Yeah, it it seems like a forced confrontation. Yes. I mean, obviously, cinematic tension was needed with this scene and what's going on. But at the same time, if you wanted to be technical. Yep. Not exactly the best way to go about it. Either way. Um, so small continuity thing there. I'm not sure if we're assuming that the dragon was towed behind the boats on, or not the dragon, the giant <laughs> was towed behind the boats on some giant boogie board, or if he just kind of waded through the water. But um, <laughs> that happened. He climbed over the wall. <laughs> we saw him come under the wall, but getting to the wall, that was that was the question at hand. He's he's been working out. He just got a nice brisk swim. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. It's good for him. It's fine. He'll be fine. Very good. Uh, and then we see that John feels like he failed. Um, clearly, those that he saved, he felt weren't enough. And, um, you know, he, he promised salvation or whatever, and he did not bring enough home. Well, there was certainly a heck of a slaughter last week. Yes, it was. And a strong yeah. replenishing of the White Walker ranks. Yes. So there were a couple things that came out of that, and seeing as I wasn't here, I'm going to uh, take a little license. Feel free, with, please. With your uh, guys' episode last week. Um, first of all, I wanted to point out that I'm not sure that uh, John killing the White Walker was a result of the Valerian Steel. Okay. I think that there's something very special about Longclaw, specifically. Oh, really? You figure, whose sword has that been traditionally? It's only just become John's. John's, correct. It's been one of Bear Island and the Mormonts. And the Mormonts are up in the northwest, up by the Free Folks territory. So you think that... I think that I'm there's something magical right about that sword. So even though they've touched base that it's Valerian Steel in the pre-episode aspects, which are always clues as to what may or may mm -hmm. not be happening, mm -hmm. that that's not enough. I don't think that's enough by itself. There's Valerian Steel all over the place. I mean, it's not like every sword is, but you figure they melted down um, ice to make 
two swords. Would Correct. Make her an Oathbringer? Or Oathkeeper? Yes. Oathkeeper. Oathkeeper and Widowmaker. Yes. So, uh, are they now wraith killers? I don't think so. Um, Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. I mean, I think, correct me on my lore, but I thought uh, that I read and maybe heard in the community too that kind of all the great houses were given a Valerian steel sword by, I'm guessing, the Citadel, since they're the ones who learn how to forge Valerian steel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that I heard that the Lannisters lost theirs in some battle that's at the bottom of the sea or something. Oops. Um, but job, the, the Mormons had um, long claw. The the Starks had ice, ice, uh, and so on and so forth. Now we've seen daggers. I believe the dagger that was issued in season one to kill Bran, that Catelyn prevented, along with Summer, not Summer. Shaggy. Was, no, Shaggy, Shaggy. I think Shaggy was Rickon's dog. Mm-hmm. What's what's Bran's dog? So it is Summer because Grey. It's Grey Wind that's that's um, Robs. That Summer helped. I believe that dagger was Valyrian steel. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we get a little bit here and there, but they're not. They're definitely not prevalent. We as viewers see them as prevalent because we're seeing all the major players. We're not seeing right. everybody. Um, but it's in an interesting the, concept. Yeah, in the books. And I don't think I'm giving anything away here. In the books, it does mention that the wall is not just a physical barrier, that there is a certain magic to it as well. Okay. I, I want to say that, that sounds familiar, but... Yeah, I don't think it's been brought up in the show. But I don't think that's necessarily a, a secret. I'm revealing plot points. Sure. Um, the wall has a a magic to it as well. It's not just physical. So... I don't think uh I don't think it's just a case of being Valerian steel. I, I think there's there's something significant. Okay. Well maybe we'll see more of that here in in future seasons. Agreed. Um while at the wall though, we get Sam trying to make John feel better, expressing that yeah, he may not have saved all that he wanted to, but look at all the ones that he did save. We've got the giant coming under the wall and some of the Night's Watch going, oh, shit, they do exist. <laughs> do you remember it's giants not just hate stories? Yeah, they, they're not just. Well, they knew that they exist. I mean, they slew Mac the Mighty. That's right. That's they did. True. They did uh, see them when they were attacking the wall during um, Mance's deal. But prior to that, uh, to my knowledge, no one had really seen a giant in quite some time and the stories of their existence was suspect and be warned giants hate people who stare yeah <laughs> that was great from last episode and then we have alistair coming up to john expressing how he feels about john's kind heart which clearly went well oh yeah and then it's one last the thing i think before moving away from the wall is that john and and was it ollie the boy Yep. Mm-hmm. They kind of lock eyes, and I think John realizes that not that Ollie's disapproval carries a lot of weight, but I think John cares enough about it to acknowledge his existence. For it to actually have an, an emotional toll. Yeah. I kind of saw that look on his face like, hey, Ollie, and Ollie just turns away like, 
Yeah, no, fuck you. <laughs> Back to an undisclosed location in the north, part D. We get <laughs> Stannis D. sending uh, Davos away. Uh, yeah. Sending him to the wall, expressing, you know, we got to talk about we can't march forward to Winterfell because we don't have enough stuff. We can't go back to the wall because we don't have enough stuff. So, hey, Davos, I need you to go get us more stuff. But I can't trust a messenger boy with this because uh, he's not <laughs> smart will, enough to, to act on his yeah, feet. John will just say no and that, that'll be it. Messenger but, will be, yeah, it'll be done. But this also comes in that, uh, what, Stannis now... Names Davos his hand of the king. No, he's been hand of the king before. It's been expressed. Didn't I thought it was like so? You take. He's reminding him. Yeah, he's okay. just reminding him that you serve me and you're doing a task by my order. So go do it. <laughs> Get lost. Yeah, Davos tries to take the princess and uh, the queen with him, and Stannis. Clearly has his own plans in mind. Dun, dun, dun. And denies that request. Anything more on that for you guys? Not nope. really. He uh, he se- seems to be distancing himself. Yeah, he's starting to get a little cold, huh? Mm-hmm. And then Davis goes to visit Shireen and gives her a little present, knowing that he's going away. A uh, very artfully carved stag, I might add. Yes. That's, I don't think, something your everyday soldier could whittle. Especially with a third less of a hand. Yeah, <laughs> missing some fingers. Digits. Yeah. Well, he's not your everyday soldier. That's correct. He is the Knight of Onions. He is the smuggler. The Onion yes. Knight. Clearly, I mean, I, I, I love these scenes with, with those two because you really see kind of the love they have for each other. Davos expresses, too, that had he listened to his son trying to get him to read and whatnot, maybe there'd be a different situation that have gone on. We know that the son died in the Battle of Blackwater. Um, but, you know, there's definitely a, a lot of love between these two characters. Mm-hmm. Cool. I agree. And it's it's evident. Yep. Wait, anything from you? Nope. Okay. Going south, way down south to the sunny, sunny country of Dorne. Jamie is brought before... Way down south. Way down south. Jamie brought before Prince uh, Doran, along with... Uh, is it Ilana? Uh, Oberyn's... I- believe so. Alana Sand, Tristan or Tristane, depending on your pronunciation, and Princess right. Marcella. I've heard it said both ways, and I forget how they said it in the show. <laughs> so sh- sue me. Please don't. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> and Jamie kind of gets called out. You know, why is he being all ninja? Why is he sneaking into the country and not just being political and diplomatic about it, in which case he expresses the threat on Marcella, the necklace that 
was sent back in the mouth of the viper, the viper. Yep. knowing that there was only two necklaces of its kind, one around Cersei's neck and now one in the viper's jaws. And we get an interesting little whodunit look between Doran and Ilana. Oh, Although, we know who done it. Oh, we know who done it. We think Doran know who done it, but nothing with, <laughs> uh, was done on either way on who done it. Marcella no, but expresses, it does create some uh, interesting tension there. I think Doran is uh, starting to wisen up to. He he tries to play the long game, but I th- it seems that he misses a few pieces here and there. Or it you feels th- that way, and I think his eyes are being opened. That you know, not everybody's towing his line. Yeah, I I don't know if he's if he's being oblivious so much as I think he's he's acting on the side of trust, but very much of the mentality of, you know, I'm trusting you to do the right thing, but if you screw me, uh, I there will be punishment for that. We'll sure. get into that. Yep. Well, there's a follow up scene for that that dives into that a little bit more aggressively. Uh, I do want to touch base, though. Previously, we were talking about the location of Dragonstone, and based on the map I'm looking at now, where it's the map is carved up into all the different countries, or the realms, so to speak, the stag is indicated on the east side of um, Westeros. So Dragonstone would most likely be there. And Hardhome is northeast. So it's okay. So it's far northeast. Yep. Fantastic. Either way, though, they could have, I mean, walked on the south Sailed side of the wall. The wall. <laughs> Why overcomplicate this thing? Drama, sir. Drama. drama. We gotta have the drama. Drama. So, Alana decides to insult Doran after not toasting to Talman, first of his name, king of the Andals, and blah, blah, blah. Waste of good wine. Waste of perfectly good Dornish wine. All over, I can assume, is. A finely stitched Dornish Dornish rug. rug. But, you know, apparently they know how to get wine stains out in Dorn. OxyClean! (laughs) (laughs) By now, get free shipping. Dornish clean. (laughs) And uh, Doran playing, again, playing the long political game. He cannot refuse his king, being Tommen, on sending Marcella back to the capital. But knowing that if the alliance is to uh, sustain, that Tristan will also be joining her and taking up Oberyn's place on the small council. I don't think um, Jamie realizes just, what, obviously, just what has changed in King's Landing since he's left. Clearly not. <laughs> the small council is not what it once was. <laughs> it's well, there's positions open. <laughs> Very true. Got some empty chairs. Including the Queen Regent. Anyway. Yes. We get a nice little threat to uh, Ilana after she accuses Dorne of having no spine in which he wishes her a long and healthy life for the sake of his nieces, of which we find out she is the mother of four. But if she keeps stepping out of line, he'll be sure that that doesn't happen. Speaking <laughs> out of line. Acting out of line. What did I say? Stepping. Stepping, speaking, acting, whatever. Basically being a bitch. That's right. Pretty much. Deal but with she's it. She's got that down really well. She's yep. got bitch mode in full effect. That's for sure. Jamie advocates for Bronze release to 
uh, which turns out to be Tristan's decision. He expresses uh, mercy as he's been taught. However, with the price, an eye for an eye, so to speak. (laughs) I thought that was funny. That's great. Uh, I do also love before we get to that exact situation, we go to the cells. Oh, come on. This is way better. We got hottie playing get my hand slapped by kind of a hottie and (laughs) playing. She's playing the psychological game and not necessarily the speed game. As we learn from this scene. Mm-hmm. And then Oberyn gets taken. Uh, Oberyn? Po- not Oberyn. Bronn. Oberyn. Oberyn's dead, I miss, man. I miss Oberyn. He was, he was a good man. Uh, Bronn gets removed from the cell. He's not sure if this is going to be a pleasant or unpleasant walk. But he confesses once again who the prettiest girl in the world is. And she is accused of being a slut by her older half-sister. By that time, I mean... Which is hilarious to me. For me, if it was like, I'm being let out of this cage. As far as I know, you're still staying in it. Yeah. Screw you. You are no longer the most beautiful woman in the world. You are pretty, but... Well, but hold on a second. She poisoned him. Then she flashed him and gave him the antidote for no real benefit to her whatsoever. (laughs) Knowing Braun? What? He's appreciative. (laughs) I almost would expect Braun to be like, no, I'm out of here. Screw you. I think he he was promised a more beautiful bride by Jamie. I'm just saying he's keeping his options open. (laughs) Maybe this is the one. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't he be lucky? So, back to Doran's I don't know. Uh, what would you call that? Man so cave, are. couch, pseudo throne room. What? Hmm, I don't man know. Cave. His tasting cellar. I see a gnarly wine bar behind Jamie. Uh, <laughs> Bron gets brought in. He remarks on the appearance of the pie in front of him. Gets his punishment. And is offered soup. It's a one condition. <laughs> That was hilarious. I'm sorry, but that was just awesome. That was pretty good. How how about some soup? Yeah. Maybe soup is more in your uh, immediate future. Mm-hmm. He does kind of get up holding his jaw in a way that um, would would make the statement make more sense. Anything further there? It was just nope. a flea bite. It's just a flea bite. It was bite. just a flea bite. Nice. Across the narrow sea to um, Bravos. I almost said Marine there, which is not true. And we have Lana, a.k.a. Arya, selling her clams and cockles. A.k.a. no one. A.k.a. someone. Yeah. She hasn't graduated to no one yet. Oh, she's sorry. just someone. She's not trying to graduate to, end, to no one. <laughs> Apparently not. She's just... Because uh, the men... The man... The man... So she's not ready to be become no one. She, but she may be ready to be, or be become, ready to become someone, someone else. else. Correct. Ha! He has been paying attention, folks. It's Two a points. rare occurrence. Give, but give it does him happen. an iron coin. <laughs> so she pulls up to the thin man with her cart. 
He calls her over, although her eyes wander elsewhere. She sees the sails of the Lannisters. Even though she's prepared to poison the Thin Man, as we assume is what she's doing. Excuse me. But she has bigger fish to fry in the world of Arya. Not in the world of Lana. I don't think it was specifically the sails of Lannister that caught her attention. It was some shining gold armor. No. Who's the bodyguard? Uh, um, um, damn Isn't it. it a guy that's on her list? It is. I just that's forget right. his name. The shiny um, gold armor that he's wearing. Yeah, but I mean, if, from at first when I saw it, I just saw the big bright red sails and I... Uh, I thought that's. Up. I mean, I would think that would catch my eye before an individual, but oh, I don't have I'm no sure one's training. But she followed it down, and oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, he's got her full attention. He definitely does, and she is playing. Um, I mean, playing it pretty smart to a point. I mean, she's following them while also maintaining uh, her fair distance and maintaining her her role. Cover. She's been seen though. She's been seen, but I get the feeling from him that, well, we find out here in a little bit, is it a look of infatuation or a look of familiarity? Mm. And I use the term infatuation very, very loosely. Let's rephrase it. A look of... You know how you can come past those people and you get that, I know them from somewhere. Yes. That was the impression I got. I, I would, not exactly recognition, not the infatuation you're insinuating. Just a very, you know, that tickle at the edge of your brain. Like, I I can't quite place you, but I know you from somewhere. I totally agree. I think there was a familiarity without a distinct identifier. There's something familiar about that face. I just can't mm. quite place it. Um, God, I forget his name though. Son of a bitch. (laughs) See if I can figure it out here real quick. Carry on. I'll Uh, look it up. Okay, good. So we follow the Lannister guards to a brothel. In which case, Arya Lana decides to follow selling her goods, which sounds so wrong to say, but it's kind of funny. Um, (laughs) And although she's trying to get, or she's attempted to get kicked out of the brothel, the... Isn't it Sir Marin Trant? There you yes. go. Trant. Uh-huh. There we go. Son of a For bitch. killing her dance instructor. Yes. Sirio Ferrell? Sirio Ferrell. Yes. The water dancer. So, Trant uh, has got very specific tastes in this brothel. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I saw the scene of him picking his companion for the evening, I got the impression that the one he chose was not part of the working class. I mean, the working girl class. She wasn't she dressed wasn't the like a hooker. She was dressed like a servant. Yes. Um, and had that look on her face like, what am I doing here? What do I do now? He picked me. What does that mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, Um, I got that impression as well. So, I mean, they were fishing hard to fulfill the desires of Trent. This was not part of the usual lineup. 
Correct. Any, oh, well, let me ask this. Is this in the books? Um, Cause I have a follow up question, but I don't know if you are um, already versed. Not clearly. I believe it is, but I'm not clear on it. It's okay. been a while. And my word, I would have taken any, any of the other girls. Those girls were, Damn. That just shows the perversion that this guy has. Not only is he an asshole and a bastard, but he's a he's a pedophile. I know, but oh man, that last girl. Whew. So my question is, if they need to have a fresh one for him for the next day, how many other girls do they have here? Or is this seemingly available girl selling cockles and and oysters uh, a viable option for this establishment to put to work? I don't think so. I mean, she was shooed out pretty quickly. Um, but there was still another look of in the brothel of her, who are you? Or maybe yeah. in the brothel it was, hmm, I kind of like that look. I'm just wondering if she's going to try to make herself available so that she can cross another name off her list. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't remember clearly. Okay. So I won't say one way or the other, although I would like to point out that contrary to the uh, the no no man man, uh, uh, contrary to his instructions, she does have needle saved. Yep, she does. Now, now in the books, she keeps going back and checking on needle. And practicing with Needle, if memory serves. Yes. They haven't touched on that in the show. Now, yeah. there's there's some interesting theories floating around the community in that when we saw Jacken, a.k.a. Faceless Man, talking to the other girl in the House of Black and White and saying that, and we saw this early on in, what was it, season two or season three, where she saved him and the the many-faced God doesn't care who dies, a death is a death. Um, if she kills Trant with the poison, she in one way could still be serving the many-faced God. However, if she goes and fetches Needle and kills him with Needle, then she's quite clearly only serving herself. And, and the parallels that it says between using the poison versus... Using needle and oh. her sort of transformation. Are you using it for? Are you doing? How do I say this? You're doing this for yourself. I think it's doing for yourself either way, whether you use the poison or needle on Marin Trant, but we still have a despicable person in the thin man. It's true, but. My point is that by using the tools from the many-faced God in the House of Black and White, yes, it's serving her own agenda, but it also is moving towards that side of the fork in the road of Needle the transition is versus very much an Arya thing. Exactly. Whereas if she uses Needle, she's still stuck on the path of maintaining Arya and kind of assimilating, but not really. Let's go back to the, what you say. A death is a death to the many-faced God. I don't think the many-faced God cares how it's done. 
It's not so much how the many-faced god is. It's just going to show her character change and what's, or not. What's her state of mind? Yeah. Is she embracing her new life or is she still holding on to Arya? Well, we haven't heard the, the prayer in a while. That's true. Um, now, I'm not sure if this scene happens next or not because I've, I've kind of jumped around a little bit. But when she returns to the House of Black and White and she confronts Jacken and she says that the thin man wasn't hungry today, do we think or are we supposed to be led to believe that he believes that lie? He didn't whip her. Or do we think that he sees through it and is seeing where she goes from here? There was enough of a pause there. I think he sees through it. I mean, that was, uh, he gave the comment of, well, perhaps that's why the thin man is thin. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to agree with you in that. And maybe it's just the charisma of the character, but it did seem that he is aware of what she's got going on. There's some doubt. Yeah. She hasn't sold herself um, very well up to this point. So why should she all of a sudden be a master now? Yep. Very well. Moving to back to Dorne, we see Doran and Ilana and he is demanding her uh, in, in a sense, loyalty, fealty. An exhibitance of loyalty. Yep. And expresses that you know, he believes in second chances, but not third chances. Now, she seems very emotional in the situation, but I'm curious, is this her, her second chance? Or has she already used that and it's now the third? I think in this scenario, this is her second. This is her I second so. and she's being forced to do something she doesn't want. She doesn't believe in. Yep. Because, I mean, he pulls away from her pretty strong in that scene. And right before he makes the second and third chance statement. So I just wasn't sure if he was making her go through the ropes of forgiveness. But at the same time saying that, you know, you've burned this bridge. It's it's unclear. to see the uh, response, the expressions on the face of the Sand Snakes. Yeah. They're not on board. Well, they're, yeah, they, I agree. They're following mom and aunt. Now, question I had, this goes back a little bit, but we know that she's the mother of the youngest one, the pretty one. Mm-hmm. Do we think she's the mother of the middle one as well? Or the, we know that the one was of a different mother because Oberyn came to visit her and brought her with him back to Dorne. But the, the second one uh, was a little confusing. I thought she was the mother, but. Uh, I've heard it said that she wasn't just the youngest one was, and then three additional that we haven't seen yet. So there's eight sand snakes total in the books or in the show in the books. Okay. The ones that we have seen on screen, the three that we've seen, we've seen three, right? Correct. Are Obara, uh-huh. Tyan and Nymeria. Okay. Correct. Obara is the spear uh, spear thrower is, is yes she was mothered by a peasant correct although it's Nine tough years. to say alana's a bastard so i mean saying she's a peasant it doesn't really carry any weight in dorn hmm. 
Anything else? No. Okay. Nymeria was mothered by an Eastern noblewoman. Okay. And Tyene, the youngest, who you're referring to as the pretty one, is the only one mothered by Ilaria. Only of one? Of the three that we know. Oh, the three, the three we know, three yes. we know. Okay. All right. She's the only one mothered by Ilaria. Okay. Now, according to the book, Ilaria is the mother of one, two, three, four, five. Okay. But in the show, they expressed four. Yes. Doran says that she's the mother of four of his nieces. So. Yep. There we go there. And speaking of Alaria, she makes a visit to Jamie uh, and gets a little jab in that the rumors of him and Cersei and or Tails uh, have not gone deaf on Dorne. Alara is very much informed as to the relations and expresses that, hey, in Dorne, no one would care. And if you were born 100 years ago and born a Targaryen, no one would care. Mm-hmm. But... You weren't, you're not, and you've hidden it, so people care. And then she makes, she makes a remark of him writing like a seven-year-old because he's writing left-handed, which I thought was funny. She's being mean. You think so? Mean. He's like, I just have the maester transit for me. That's so, what he says. <laughs> Screw you. The maester's kind enough to rewrite it. Interesting, though, that he's actually writing it in the first place and not just dictating. Yeah. Well, he's a prisoner here. He carries no... I mean, he's a very well-off prisoner, but he has no real power. Well, he was sitting there breaking bread with the royalty of Dorne, so I don't know how much of a prisoner you can be with that. But he has no authority, is my point. Peasants don't have any authority in Dorne. They're still there. They don't break bread with the with royalty. She's a bastard, and she broke bread with royalty. She being Alana. Well, she still has the sand snakes behind her. <laughs> Not well. More bastards. That matters much too. They're all bastards. Duran. So, back to undisclosed location between Winterfell <laughs> and Castle Black. Castle Black. Uh, first, I believe we start off here with Stannis visiting Shireen, talking about uh, the book, uh, A Dance of Dragons, in which it tells the tale of the Targaryens' uh, civil war and fighting for the command of Westeros. Whose butt goes on the throne. That's right. And then Stannis... Pretty much telling us exactly what he's going to do. He's got to do something he doesn't want to do in order to fulfill his destiny as he sees it. She says whatever she can do to help, she wants to do because I love you, Daddy, and I want to help you. Not knowing that Daddy wants to burn her at the stake. This is a real turning point. We've seen Stannis get steadily colder. Yeah, I just thought this was really interesting when we had the episode, two, two, three episodes ago, where we got the monologue with Stannis about doing everything he could to prevent the grayscale from progressing. Mm -hmm. And we get this polar shift now from 
I mean, he told Melisandre earlier on that he'll never sacrifice his daughter, anything but that. And here we go. Now, back to Wade, your statement of how did Melisandre, why would it be a potential for her to orchestrate the attack on the camps? By well, the way, Father's Day is June 21st. Oh. <laughs> okay. Don't burn your daughters, just saying. But it might mean that I have a long and prosperous life. Don't burn your daughters. <laughs> so the statement, though, Wade, is that Melisandre has been wanting to sacrifice King's blood to the Red God for some time. And now we're at the situation where she has the opportunity because Stannis is at that breaking point. He has no option... He can't go forward without something changing. He can't go back because he doesn't have supplies. He feels the only option now is to succumb to the whims of the Red God and sacrifice some King's Blood to um, to the Red God. Okay. So, so you asked how but this could she, be a plan by Melisandre. She still had that emotional thing with the attack. I agree. So. I'm not saying it was her plan. I'm saying some of the community felt that it very well could have been given the actions that followed. I don't think she orchestrated the fire. I don't think she planned the fire. I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that she used that event to push her agenda. She orchestrated the fire and somehow she killed like what? How many horses? Listen, I'm not saying this is my view. This is what I've heard in the community. I'm on board with you guys. I believe the attack and the fires were by Ramsey, but she used the situation to push her agenda to Stannis, okay, saying, well, what choice do you have? You're not going to win this without doing this. And she often opportunistically may have used that. Yes. Correct. I agree. But some of the community fans like ourselves feel that she may have had a, more of a hand. In that attack at the beginning. Oh no, pull the guards away from this corner. So. Yeah. Anyway. Regarding burning at the stake, she's calling out for daddy. Daddy finally appears once she's bound. The mother is initially supportive of this decision. It's what the Red God wants. It's a great thing. And then, which I really hated about this, is that at an instant she changes from being... The mother that despised her daughter all through life to being maternal again and advocating to stop this. Why didn't you like that? It was completely out of character for everything that we've seen from from her up till this point. It's, she never gave any maternal care to Shireen until they're burning her. You know, she had her locked up like a like a slave when we first met Shireen because of the grayscale, because she couldn't give Stannis any sons. And now all of a sudden she's freaking out and wants to save her daughter. It's okay to burn everyone until it's your daughter. Then you have a... <laughs> so burn after it for it. <clears throat> maybe it finally struck a chord with her. I, I just thought there was no lead up into that. It was just so off, you know, off the cuff, you know, from left field. Sure. So it, it didn't really make sense to me. If it was Stannis, maybe, to maybe show some confliction because he did express how much he loved her 
uh, and now he had to make this decision. And maybe if they did it where it was too late to, for them to really savor, uh, I, I would have believed that a little bit more than mom deciding to be maternal. Understood. Anything else, Wade? Nope. nope. Next scene, Great Pit. Marine. We visit Marine for the final uh, scene of the show, the final destination, rather, the fighting pits, to which uh, his Dar Zolarak is late to the party. Do we have any assumptions as to what he is making sure goes according to plan? I... Don't remember from the books. I'm going completely out on my own on this. It's about I'm time. Not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure that he's not involved with the Sons of the Harpy. I think we as fans are, are led to believe that he is involved. I mean, he was in prison before. Um, you know, he's he's the he's Lord or Highborn and in, in Marine, he's and two. we know that the Harpies are kind of. Uh, the action takers of those essential lords, former masters. He killed um, the first son of the harpy, by no the way. That was a slave that she beheaded in front of all of the town. Oh, okay, so that was wrong. Yeah. But then he gets killed off in this scene, so whatever. Yeah, so then if he orchestrated the harpies, why would they have killed him? Strange. Meh. Meh. <laughs> But before that, we get the, uh, uh, what's his name? The knight. The Westerosi knight. Okay. Well, before that, we've got a fight in the pit with a big, strong man and uh, someone smaller and quicker. And Dario's got a nice little uh, statement in which strong men only have muscles in so many places and most are too slow or all were too slow to stop Dario's blade. And he was betting on the small guy, assuming that small guy was him. Um, not everybody's like him. Not everyone's like him. Although, uh, interesting little clip between Danny and his dar, where she accuses him of, you know, he says in his experience, the strong men do better than the smaller in most situations. And she accuses him, well, have you ever had to actually fight anybody? You ever actually had to kill anybody for your for While your own life? While they were trying to kill you? Yeah. That kind of shuts him up. And then Dario has to shut up because the big guy wins. Bop, bop, bop. And we get a nice little moment from Tyrion saying that his father would love him. His father would love Dario. Not Dario, his dar. Um, so, yeah. That happened. And then we get Jorah. Who still trying to claw his way back into favor. Yes. And he enters, or when he enters the arena and he makes his pledge, I find it interesting he didn't do it in the common tongue. Uh, I think he did it in Dothraki, because I don't know that we've seen he knows High Valerian. Come at that again? When Dario greets, he says, uh, fight and die for your glory, O glorious queen, in the pit. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do so in the common tongue. It's subtitled. Mm-hmm. He's speaking a different dialect. Yes, High Valerian. Have we ever seen him speak High Valerian up till now? We know that he knows Dothraki. That's a good question. Okay. 
thought for the to be investigated, muddled over. After some fire, another interesting fact of the scene is the expressions of Danny's face while Jorah is fighting. She is conflicted. Tyrion sees it. Tyrion expresses how she could call it all off if she should want to. And his Dar expresses that she cannot. That would violate the traditions of the fighting pits. But she's moved by his potential demise. She's willing to exile him, but she doesn't actually want to see him dead. Agree? Disagree? Comments? I think she's, I think she's getting very tired of these uh, traditions. I think she was tired of them before they started. Very true. I mean, we see even in the scene just prior where the, the beheading of the smaller man and the blood in the pit. And she says, this is glory. This is what makes this, this so great. Yeah. Uh, and then, I guess, moving on, Dari, or Jorah wins, grabs a spear. I believe we all think he's going to make an attack on Danny. Or something in the in the royal pit, and we see that not only has he seen something no one else saw, but prevents it from happening, and that's killing the first harpy of this sequence. I didn't think he was going for Danny. I thought he might have been going for um, Dario or his dar. His dar. Yeah, me too. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't. Dario, there, there's certainly no love lost between Jorah and Dario, but. Dario is her companion of choice, whereas Hisdar is her companion of necessity. Yes. Very political. So I could see there being a, hey, let me take care of this for you. Yeah, that's fair. Although they duck and cover her because they think it's an attack on her. We find out it is the first harpy. And holy shit, there is a lot of harpies in this fighting pit. Glad she reopened the fighting pits. Yeah, such a great thing. It was a good way to flush them out. <laughs> well, she did mention about, you know, letting the snake strike so you can cut its head off. Mm-hmm. Well, it certainly struck. We see no Jorah um, reaching out to Danny t- to offer her safety. Tyrion saving uh, Masandi with a little dagger to the back of a harpy. Aw. Aw. Lots of Insali die in this scene. Clearly overrun. They yeah. were not prepared for a situation like this. That seems remarkably they've irresponsible. Soft. Think they've gotten soft? They've gotten soft. They've they've been hanging out in brothels and you know, haven't had to march anywhere in a while. Lazy unsolid. <laughs> that just that seems remarkably unresponsible to me. We know there was a group out to kill the queen. Mm-hmm. Let's have not as many men as possible. <laughs> Let's have like the smallest amount of guards available. Yeah, there weren't that many. They were slow to react. Again, all plays into my theory that they've gotten soft. They're just... I mean, we've had some civil disturbances. There have been some issues with the with the um, Sons of the Harpy, but they've been more police issues and less army issues, right? And these are these are soldiers. Yes, they're not cops. Correct. And they've been 
parading around the town being cops, and that's not who they are. I agree with Wade, though. I mean, we've been built up since, what, episode two this season about this underground group of uh, revolters, um, rebels. A mark of how many there are. Sorry. Yeah. In what was it? Episode five? No, that's something earlier. like that. Episode the Sons of the Harpy episode yeah, exactly. where they kill Barristan. Speaking of, apparently we're led to believe that Grey Worm is still healing. So I mean, I guess he needs extra time to heal. He hasn't been in what four, five episodes. It's been a whole, you know, tournament. We've had enough time for Jorah to. Rise to the great fighting arena. Yep. Well, I mean, we saw that he fought his way in that one pit, met with Danny, got exiled again, went back to the master. Came back and said, let me fight for you. So he was it had enough time to fight through the whole quote-unquote no, tournament. No, I, I think he earned his way to fight at the great pits after the first fight that we saw. No, he said, let me fight for you. In terms of being more... In this pit. He came in and said... You said the one who wins in the things will earns a chance to fight in the great pit. And he pit. said, I won. No, but he still has more fights to go. I don't think he does. I don't think him winning, what, one, two fights allows him to be fighting the grand pit? They I doubt that. They just reopened the pit. How many fighters do you think they have available? Well, they Hundreds. Bring up, they, yeah, they bring <laughs> up four in like one freaking match. Thousands. There's a lot of other fighting pits that are all culminating. Everybody wants in. Okay, either way, you, we're though, arguing about it. If was there, he would have killed like 150 just by himself. I know. <laughs> now, Danny and her crew are now surrounded in the middle of the arena. She holds Miss Sandy's hand and closes her eyes. Do we think that she's embracing for death here? Or is there something telepathic going on? Uh, how do I say? Warg? Bran where are you you little bastard yeah Um, no I don't think she's she's a warg but I think there's definitely a connection I think she was there was a definite um, unaudible cry for help although the look on her face when he roared because that definitely looked like a surprise and not a um, I don't know smirk of fulfillment Mm-hmm. So, there may have been a connection, but definitely some doubt on if it was going to be followed through or not. Well, again, my own theory, and that's all it is. I think there's a connection. I don't think she knows it. Sure. Not completely yet. Okay, um, that's fair. If we go back to Bran, um, I don't remember how much was borne out in the series, but definitely in the books, he was having dreams... Of being, um, of warging, of uh, basically uh, yeah, the wolf's of, of perspective. Being his wolf. They right? touched he on was, that a little bit, although little in the book bit. it was it was a aggressive. While he was sleeping, intense. we got the whole yeah, thing of so, the wolf jumping up onto his bed. Then he wakes up, and the wolf's right there. Well, and he was talking to um, the wildling that they had captured too about these dreams where he is eating flesh and running through the woods and that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff too. So it was expressed, but not as aggressively as the books had it for sure. But I'm wondering if it's that same kind of latent impression for Danny that there is a connection. She can kind of touch it, but doesn't understand or doesn't fully realize what she has. 
Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll buy that. Just a thought. So Drogon lands and wrecks the place. Not I mean, after a couple not like spears. wreck wrecks, but he uh, restores order. Hmm. Not really. You don't think so? No, he may have munched on a couple of harbies. He burned like a toasted, crap ton of Toasted them. a few, but as we said, there were a lot of damn harpies. Yeah, but I, but I they think they were starting to get the better of him. Oh, well, I mean, that's true. He had, he had a, a few spear spears, but I think at the same time, uh, the power of the dragon had been expressed, and I think that goes a long way. Was the true. was the conflict totally resolved? No, I agree. But she's got a fucking dragon. Three. I know, but he couldn't have stayed. No, I agree. They would have killed him. Yes. But in, in that sequence, uh, he is saved, and I think we can all agree the bond has grown stronger between Danny and Drogon. By the way, nice uh, kill there from uh, Dario. That's right. Now, I want to remark on the graphics in this scene where she pulls the spear out and he's roaring at her face. Her hair is blowing. Um, his fins are flapping. The shading, the detail. Oh, my God. Twenty dollars a month, well spent. That's all I gotta say. It could have just had a, a dark, you know, blackness in his mouth, but no, they got the top. They got the was pretty much the palate. They got the tongue in there. It was really well done. Each tooth you could see as a defining, you know, object. Yep. But they did a really good job. See, I disagree. You disagree? Do I disagree. do tell? No, I think. I think the details were a little fuzzy in this one. Really? Yes, they had a lot of detail in there. But it just... It wasn't as sharp as I would have liked it. I, I, I think it fit the resolution for the rest of what's going on. Maybe. I think if it was more detailed or more crisp, it would have stood out too much. Now, in a follow-up, though, when she's rides on Drogon and she's... Green, and they have her flying over the fighting pits. To me, that looked weak. Oh, yeah, definitely. And when she's flying in front of the Great Pyramid of Marine, that looked weak. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, In this show, they've done an extremely good job of not showing you where the green screen was. It's a blend of set or area, and then it's elaborated on with the green screen. With those two shots, it was... Uh, exceptionally clear as to, you know, what was a set and what wasn't. So, I mean, just the quality of those two shots were, to me, subpar for HBO and Game of Thrones quality. Yeah, I agree. And I can't quite put my finger on it. Like I said, it seemed a little little, uh, blurry, not quite as sharp as they had been. But just, just the entire scene, I mean... Face-to-face, as close as the virtual camera was, I should have been scared. And I just wasn't. Okay. We weren't scared. We were awestruck. Yeah. I think that may be accurate. I mean, I yelled at the when Drogon flew into the fighting camp. Granted, I was about a bottle of wine down at this point. Um, <laughs> as I do with Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. Uh, but... Uh, I believe for our listeners, if they saw, I think I tweeted um, how to train your dragon, eat your heart out <laughs> um, for a dance of dragons. So nice. If uh, that goes to where my mind was at. 
And that wraps up this uh, this episode. I mean, we get Tyrion looking awestruck and I think finally conforming to Jorah's statement of the turning point was essentially the dragons and, and her interactions, so to speak, with them that caused Jorah to stop being a spy and become a follower. And I think we see that now in Tyrion as well. Yeah, he was kind of along for the ride, but I think now he believes. Well, it's keeping him alive. Well, quite literally, yes. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> it's kind of a kind of an added benefit. Yeah. Uh, anything else to add for you guys for season or season five, episode nine? No. Um, I will be interesting to s- interested to see how they close this season out. We got one more to go. Yeah, depressing topic. There we are coming up on the finale coming up on uh, this pre-Father's Day weekend. I think Danny doesn't know what to do anymore. She's resisted the traditions. She gets attacked. She, she opens, opens the traditions. traditions. She, gets, she attacked. gets attacked. We see in the, you know, sorry, in the ne- in the upcoming episode... She's not around all that much. Well, the next episode, it's important to say that it is titled Mercy of the Mother, or Mother's Mercy, one of those two, which we were uh, deliberately expressed was the confession before the the seven-faced or seven-starred God. Um, and should one confess to their sins, they would be granted the Mother's Mercy. So we know that there's going to be a, a fair amount of Marjorie... Uh, Cersei and Mother of Loris. Dragons and Drogon took a couple spears. Mercy of the Mother as well. Um, sure. A little bit more of a stretch, Interesting. but... Interesting. Um, Tried. So, but yeah, it should be interesting to see how they wrap this up. Typically, again, episode 10 is a little calmer. However, David Nutter will be directing that one as well, and based on his track record... Um, he does typically combat. He does the, the high shows. one. Yeah. Yes, agreed. So it'll be hopeful or exciting to see what comes. Danny's on the run. She's on the temporary retreat. She's on the flight? Um. <laughs> She's airborne. <laughs> uh, we would like to remind our listeners to uh, talk to us. Hit us up, facebook.com forward slash abundance dot not or Twitter at AbundanceNot. We look forward to hearing from you and uh, saying hi. Absolutely. Hit us up. Talk to us. We like it. And with that, we'll see you next week. Vala Margulis. Vala Dohaitis. Vala Dohaitis.